You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You, you feel this, this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Packernet After Dark. Thank you so much for joining in on the fun. This is the call-in show for the Packernet Podcast Network. If you'd like to call in and be a part of it, please call 608-501-0718. Leave a message. We'll talk about what it is you want to talk about. New callers, go directly to the front of the line. And we've got a couple. We've got a couple today. So let's start off with the new callers. Hey, Ryan. Uh, my name is Scott. I'm from Wausau, Wisconsin, uh, residing in Texas. Uh, big Packers fan. Been listening to your show for a little over a year and just want to say keep up the great work, man. Uh, love the content. Uh, one thing that got me thinking about Aaron Rodgers, of all people, is what? this whole him being fine, being portrayed as a villain. And I wonder if that's something that like the GM, I don't know, Goody or, or who would be talking to him and just kind of say, you know, do you think you're the villain at Green Bay? You know, you're holding back Jordan Love. You're you kind of did a gotcha contract. You had back-to-back MVPs, and then you come out looking like garbage. And not to say you look like garbage. I'm sorry, that was harsh. But he, he wasn't playing at Aaron Rodgers level. And- I'm so glad somebody did that. I can't tell you how many times that I've done that, or I'll just spew something like that. And sometimes I'll del- I did that like I think it was yesterday, or whatever day it was. I was talking about Justin Fields. And I was like, the guy is garbage. And I was like, well, all right. And I went and deleted it or something. But (laughs) sometimes you just get on a roll, man, and stuff just starts coming out of your mouth. And it's like, oh, shoot. But I can delete it. You can't. I get it. It happens. I understand. You didn't mean it. Uh, You know, so, you know, he's eating up cap space. uh, Dead cap's horrendous. Are you going to retire or are you not? So it's like, I wonder if he kind of sees himself as the villain even at Green Bay. And if we need to enlighten him to say hey you may be the hero somewhere else like let's just say the Jets because that's the popular team but they're dying for a franchise quarterback or somebody that can just elevate the rest of their roster you know so are you the villain here maybe you can go be the hero somewhere else I don't know just kind of spitballing maybe it's a dumb idea but anyway go back go love the show talk to you later yeah I think I got the crux of what it is that you're saying I might be missing the mark here but um I I think 
I mean, first of all, when he was talking about on the Pat McAfee being the villain, I think it's more of a political thing. I think he believes that there are a lot of people, which is 100% true because we know this, it might not be as many as he thinks, but whatever, it doesn't matter, um, that just don't like him because of his stances. And we've seen this all the time. When you take a, a stance that is deemed political, although this was should not be political, but it is, uh, regardless of what the stance is, uh, we saw this when, um, who was that? Um, he was on the Packers for a little bit. Maybe it was Mercedes Lewis. He might have been a part of it. But there was a group of guys uh, in for the St. Louis Rams. It wouldn't have been Mercedes then. Who the heck was it on our team? Anyways, they, they did the hands up, don't shoot thing. Right? They came out of the tunnel with their hands up, and that was like a big like hubbub. Then there was the Kaepernick kneeling thing, and that was a big thing. And even a couple of Packers guys, Kevin King and a few others, knelt. Maybe that was what Mercedes did. I don't remember. I thought he was a part of it somehow. I don't know. But that became obviously a big deal. Um, and then there's the vaccine thing. And now it's sort of on the other side of it where you'll have Kirk Cousins and Aaron Rodgers and other guys. Uh, I forget who that receiver was for Buffalo, maybe. I don't know. But um, coming out and, and whether or not, you know, they're being vocal about it or just saying, you know, I just, again, kind of like Kevin King, he wasn't outspoken. He just was kind of in the back doing what he felt was the right thing to do. But it doesn't matter whether you're outspoken or you just made a personal decision that you thought was best. Some people are going to hate you and they're never going to respect you and they're going to pretend that all their critiques about you being a football player is strictly about being a football player when in fact I can't get over the fact that you do something that I don't like uh, because how dare you think something other than me. So the, 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 the bottom line in bringing that up is that I don't necessarily think that pitch would work because I don't think he sees himself as a villain as a football player in general. I think he understands he's generally loved and revered and respected by Packer fans based on his play, generally speaking. Some people are um, maybe short memories or whatever and, you know, have moved on to hating him because he had a, a rough year. But I don't think he would necessarily believe he can get... And, and, and you're right to an extent, right? I mean, if he can go there and dominate... The, 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 there is a question of if you could go somewhere and completely turn a franchise around, who would love you the most? And the Jets would be high up on that list because they've been so desperate for that guy for so long. Um, so that part of it is true. But again, from his perspective about why he thinks people believe that he's the villain, New York is probably not the best place in the world to go if you want people that are maybe a little bit more sympathetic to your views. Perhaps Tennessee Granted, the city that he'll be in will not be sympathetic, but the, the state in general will be more sympathetic. But either way, I don't think that's going to play a, a role in his decision. And again, I, I get what you're saying, but that's that's just my view. I, I think that's where he believes he's seen as being the villain. And I don't know that leaving would necessarily make things better because it's not a regional thing. It's, it's nationwide. It's worldwide um, personal views on the COVID situation. Scott called right back, so we'll just see what he had to say if there's a follow-up or something. Hey, Ryan, Scott again, just calling hey, back. I just wanted to clarify, oh. I'm eternally grateful for all, right. all the years of Aaron Rodgers, and I'm not trying to come across as he's like, I'm, a, I'm an Aaron Rodgers hater. Sure. I, I love what he's done for us, the ups and the downs, um, and I'm not saying Jordan Love is going to be the future franchise quarterback that's going to just step into those Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers shoes and, you know, light up the world. I'm, I'm not that naive. I know there's a less than 1% chance that he is going to be anywhere near 
elite level right. quarterback. But anyway, I just want to clarify that. Not Packer, uh, Aaron Rodgers hater. Uh, just, you know, after three, four years of the song and dance of, is he going to stay? Is he going to go? You just start to kind of look to the future and just wonder what if. So anyway, love it. Well, and there is an element of, of just general appreciation. If we just eliminate the word villain, um, yeah, there, there, there could be, if you look at it and say the Packer fans are, are generally a spoiled fan base that's used to going to the playoffs and getting 13 wins and being seen as one of the top contenders for the Super Bowl. And we've had that for, you know, I don't want to say 30 years because we had some rough years in the in the 90s. And even the last few years, we're not necessarily the, the top of the top team, but we're in the conversation at least. Um, yeah, I think there, there would be a lot of general appreciation um, and if he did go to the Jets, there probably would be a lot of um, a lot more grace, I guess, toward Aaron Rodgers because we've seen Aaron Rodgers. We've watched every single one of his throws. We know what elite Aaron Rodgers looks like, and we certainly know what doesn't look like that. Um, if he goes there and is a top fifteen quarterback, for us, that's garbage. For them, that's one of the best quarterbacks they've ever had. And that's what he was this past year. It was a, I think he was like 12th or something. So um, top 15-ish quarterback would be incredible for the Jets and honestly would give them a very legitimate shot at a playoff run considering that their defense is um, becoming a, a, a bit of a force and their offense certainly has some weapons to work with. I mean, I, I don't want to overstate it. I don't want to pretend like they have the most elite weapons offensive line and defense in football and if they just had a quarterback like we always talk about with Denver – um, which I don't think is true, that they're a, a shoe in for the Super Bowl. But they certainly have enough pieces that if you do throw in a quarterback, they've got a shot to at least compete for the playoffs. And again, there would be some appreciation. But you also have to be careful because a place like New York, um, if you don't hit that mark and you aren't necessarily looking like peak Aaron Rodgers or even a good Aaron Rodgers and you're the reason for some of the losses and you're throwing interceptions that you shouldn't like you did in Green Bay where there were several games that we lost because of Aaron Rodgers. I mean, the Lions game where he threw three interceptions in the red zone or, or that's where the interception took place at least. Um, the last game of the season against the Lions throwing a pick to seal the game. I mean, that kind of stuff. I mean, you're going to get eviscerated in New York. But yeah, I do think at least initially there's going to be a uh, an all-hail Aaron Rodgers feeling at least at first but how long that lasts will depend on if Rodgers can play at a, a decent enough level but that's that's true here too if he comes back next year and is the greatest quarterback in football all will be forgotten and forgiven and we'll all just bow down and say all hail Aaron Rodgers with the exception of again the, the people who will hate him no matter what uh we did have a caller RJ RJ um I do appreciate your call I love it um I I just hope you understand my position I didn't want to play your call on here specifically in, in terms of, you know, uh, kind of lashing out at other co-hosts and whatnot. But I will forward along the uh, the information. But I, 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 I still wanted to acknowledge your call and give somewhat of a synopsis. Bottom line, and you guys are going to think I'm lying that somebody called, but <laughs> RJ called in, says he's, he's worked with many large corporations, has had lots of uh, leadership training, including with military generals and whatnot, and uh, essentially agrees with the sentiment that Leaders need to be engaged with their people, which, I mean, let's be completely honest, that that, that to me <laughs> seems uh, relatively basic. But um, I, it, the, the other reason I wanted to bring it up, aside from you're a first-time caller and I wanted to acknowledge you and your call, 
Buzz, I, I saw somebody, and I was going to leave it entirely alone, so I'm glad you brought it up because now it's not me doing it. It's your fault, RJ. <laughs> but somebody on Twitter had said something to, God, I got to find it now. I hope I bookmarked. So this is uh, from Dave Schroeder on Twitter from WBAY. I have nothing against Dave. It's just, this again, this is, and, and 95% of people seem to be going down this road. So I am in the minority, as is RJ and whoever else agrees with me. But I, I just wanted to listen to what he said and give my feedback on it. We're talking about the Aaron Rodgers leadership thing. He's, he's retweeting, quote tweeting Lane Taylor's tweet. Lane Twa- Taylor again said, People are always trying to make Aaron Rodgers a bad guy. I guess he should have spent free time doing trust falls with the rookie wide receivers, right? Ha ha, big funny joke. Dave Schroeder quote tweets that and says, let's put this in perspective for people. In your workplace, how many coworkers have you hung out with outside of work? If it's a smallish number compared to total workforce, are you a bad leader? No, of course not. First of all, yes. Yes. If you are a leader, that's the question. I'm not a leader. When I go to work and work my nine to five, like 99% of people, you're not a leader. Now you can, you can try to go above and beyond and make yourself a leader in your environment and all that stuff. But that's the point. If you're not expected to be a leader, but want to rise to that occasion. And your thought is I'm just going to sit here and do my job and not talk to anybody and think that somehow I'm still a good leader. Of course, of course, I'm not a good leader to answer your question directly, Dave. How many coworkers have you hung out with outside of work? If it's smallish number compared to total workforce, are you a bad leader? Yes. If I'm not making any effort to do anything leadership-wise, I'm not being a very good leader. So, if yeah, if I go to work, and, and that's the thing, we always want to use this same example of what about you at your job? What about you at your job? I think that's a terrible example. But here's the thing. If my boss were to come to me and say, I expect you, or, or we're going to give you a promotion, and, and with this, there is an expectation that you are going to be in a leadership position here at work, I suddenly now have to go above and beyond. It is not about me just showing up and doing my job and saying, I expect everybody else to just do their job. And I'm not going to coach you and train you and attempt to go above and beyond, even so far as to go outside of work. And I'm not talking about going out and having romantic dinners together or doing trust falls or whatever kind of stupid thing that you want to make fun of. It very simply means, as RJ said, being engaged with the people and providing the support needed so that they can do their job effectively. And the opposite of leadership is doing absolutely nothing to help anybody else, and then when somebody else is not where they need to be, especially a new young player or new young worker who is new to the job and is not quite up to speed and knows what to do, to then throw them under the bus publicly and say that they're the reason for our lack of success. That is so far removed from what leadership is, it's a freaking joke. It's an embarrassment. And our head coach did it, and our quarterback did it, and our veteran wide receiver Randall Cobb did it. All the veterans on this team feel completely comfortable doing that. And then laughing and mocking any thought that we should have to go above and beyond to try to convince anybody that we are, in fact, the, the top of the top, elite, elite, most motivated and desirous people in the world. I mean, give me a break. So to answer anybody's question directly, if you go to work and work your nine to five and don't do anything extra, does that make you a bad leader? The answer to the question is yes. You can't just say I'm a good leader because I feel like it. You don't default to good leader and have to do something horrendous to make you a bad leader. No, you're just not a leader generally. Most people are not. They go to work and they do their job and they put their head down. The entire point of leadership and being a leader is that there is all these other extra expectations put on you. In fact, let me make one final comment about this. 
I think lead by example is BS. And, and people like RJ could speak to this much more than I could. Leading by example is a prerequisite to leadership, but it is not an all-encompassing all form of leadership. If you're going to lead people, you need to be able to live up to the expectation that you set for people. That's, that's, a, that's a baseline prerequisite. But you can't say, I'm not going to do anything by way of interaction with anybody, and I'm going to show up and be awesome, and I'm going to call that leadership. That's not leadership. That's not what that is. So when people say, you know, he's a leader, but he's a lead by example type of guy, great. That just means he's good at his job. He's not a leader. That's not what leadership is. He might be a guy that inspires people, and I have no doubt Aaron Rodgers inspires people. They look up to him. The entire team looks up to him, and they should. They should replicate the kind of work habits and everything else that he has and how meticulous and how perfect he is. I hope everybody replicates that, but that has nothing to do with leadership. We're talking about a different category of thing. And I, you know, again, whatever. But don't sit here and try to pretend to me that this is that somehow he's a, a perfectly adept leader and that it has nothing to do with, you know, actually caring about the people and putting in the extra work to make sure that they are where they need to be. And yes, that includes sometimes maybe off the field, whether that's a text, you know, it could be as simple as here's my number. If you have any questions, you call me and we'll figure it out. It's, it's, it, it is at a baseline being available to the people, making yourself available to them to be able to help them in any way that is necessary because winning and making sure they are up to speed is, uh, is the absolute most important thing. And if you're not willing to even do that, then I don't want to hear it. Anyways, RJ, please feel free to call back. But it, it just as a general rule, and, and for the record, this is the second time I've had to do this. Um, I, I, I generally don't like to censor calls. Um, I want you to feel as though you can do whatever you want. But um, you have to understand that um, the people that are a part of this network are a part of the network. They're all Packernet podcast. And if I play somebody trashing anybody else, it's, it's trashing my show because this is all my show. <laughs> Right. So I, I, I absolutely 100% appreciate the feedback, but um, that's not a constructive way to uh, try to improve the product by throwing somebody under the bus on my show, if that makes sense. So you can voice it to me. You can call in. Just know that I'm, I'm never going to play anything in regards to I don't like this host or whatever. I'm just not going to do that. Brian, Brian from Illinois. What up? Hear me out here. Okay. We nuke the plastic mound sitting in the pacific ocean vaporize the plastic therefore no more plastic come on what are we doing i i i feel like i am completely lost on what we're talking about here the plastic mound sitting in the pacific uh, pacific ocean vaporize the plastic therefore no more plastic come on what are we doing um all right i gotta i gotta google this what are we talking about was this? Did I make a comment about this? As far as plastic going in the ocean, I don't remember making it, but it is a it is an absolute um, annoyance of mine. And maybe it's because people from California that talk about this stuff always assume everybody is from California, which is the most obnoxious thing in the world about people from California. No offense, I love our callers from California, but people from California assume that every single inch of the world is in California. How in the world does my garbage end up in the ocean? I live in Wisconsin. How does that happen? It doesn't. So stop telling me my garbage is ending up in the oceans. It's not. It's also not ending up in Lake Michigan or any other lake. 
It's going to a landfill that is not by any, any, any liquid anywhere, unless it gets rained on. You know where that garbage in the ocean is coming from? It's coming from other countries that dump their garbage in the ocean. <laughs> it's not coming because some, some, me and my kids in Wisconsin are throwing plastic straws in our garbage cans. Go lecture them about it. Don't talk to me about it. Go talk to countries that dump garbage in oceans. What, if, what are you talking to me for? Leave me alone. What is that, by the way? Why is it when, like, a third world country does something, which, granted, they have limited resources, so they're just doing what they gotta do, right? It's whatever. I get it. I don't care. I'm not complaining about it. But why do I get lectured about stuff they're doing? <laughs> why are you talking to me? It's got nothing to do with me. Reminds me of that scene from The Office when, uh, Todd Packer comes, and he makes a completely inappropriate comment, and Michael Scott says, over the line, and Todd looks at him and he's like, are you serious? And he's like, oh no, I wasn't talking to you, I was talking to Kevin. And Kevin's like, what? He made some kind of a weird, a comment that really wasn't offensive, but he just didn't have the guts to confront Todd Packer, who's his friend, and obviously he's intimidated by him, so he just threw Kevin under the bus. <laughs> Anyways, we got uh, 1.6 million square kilometers. How big is the Great Pacific Garbage Patch? Which, by the way, the Pacific, that's over on the California side. That's your problem. You clean up your garbage. I got to use a, a, a paper straw because you guys are, can't control your own garbage. Why don't you guys suck less? Okay? How about that? Why does my life have to suck? Because you suck. Pacific Ocean, that's your deal. That's your problem. You figure it out. You deal with it. We have Lake Michigan, okay? You know what's not floating around Lake Michigan? 1.6 million kilometers of garbage. And no, it's not getting into a river, which is flowing into your precious ocean. There's no river near a landfill over here, and, and any river does not flow into the Pacific Ocean. So don't even start with your stupidity. Okay, rivers here flow into the Gulf of Mexico, and there's not piles of garbage floating down rivers here. So don't even start. I think I'm just in a bad mood because they ruined Shark Tank. You watched that recently? My wife and I watched that last night. We, there were two new episodes we watched. Every episode is about products that are about either gut health, which is a stupid fad that's going to be gone in five seconds, or good for the environment. Every single product. Like, can you just make something that's cool? Make something that's going to make my life better. That's what I want to invest my money in. Products that are good. Is this a good product? They don't even talk about it. Like, is this a good product? Like, I don't know, dude, but it's good for the environment. Why don't you want to buy it? <laughs> oh, my goodness. And then, God forbid, anybody goes on Shark Tank, like, check this out. I got this new food that tastes delicious. And they're like, mm, yeah, it's not healthy. It's like, bro, not everybody lives in California, okay? Like, people are trying to be healthier these days. No, 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 not people. You. People still go to McDonald's. That's why there's billions of McDonald's around the world. And Burger King, and KFC. That's why Quick Trip is just making a killing. You know why? Because they sell donuts, and mac and cheese, and delicious pizzas. You know why? Because people don't give a crap about gut health. Just give me something that tastes good, stupid. Show sucks now. Anyways, sorry, I can't invest. I don't eat sugar anymore. I, I just can't get behind this. There's sugar. I don't support sugar. I'm morally opposed to sugar. Why don't you shut up, stupid? Hey, Ryan. Brian from Illinois. Hey, After man. You, you talked about the Rogers going out to dinner with, like, the Dobbs and not doing it. Yeah. Oh, man, I could go on forever about this. All right. 
But the bottom line is it does help build chemistry. Yeah, it does. It does possibly push you over the edge. You need to be this playoff contender. I mean, what the simple fact is he wants them to learn signs and pick up on these nuanced things. And when they don't, he gets mad. But at the same time, if you sat down at dinner and just BSed about like why I poke my elbow and what that means. And when I flick my nose, that's why I do it because it means this and inside jokes start happening. Chemistry starts happening. That, that whole thing about it just, man, it drives me nuts. Even, well, and again, it doesn't, it, it could be dinner. It could be whatever. If you want it to be all business, make it all business. If you want it to be casual and just hanging out and having fun, make it casual and just make it have fun. But don't do nothing and then complain about how things aren't getting better. Yeah, like you said, going out for a dinner, I don't want to eat with half the people I work with, but when you do, you learn a little bit about yeah. them. Even if you don't like the people, you still get to know about them and you understand a little bit more of how they... You know, and, and that is something that we've done at work and it's, it's not a requirement thing. It's not even a leadership thing, but it does make you feel more like a family and as a unit, as opposed to just people that you are around that are, that annoy you that you work with. So, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know. It, I mean, this is all pretty basic stuff to me. They process stuff. And at the other end, like you just come up with so much more when you're, you're doing these, these extra things, not, I guess that Randall Cobb will probably come out and go, that's not his job to do this because right. Randall Cobb is on his side. But And they should be professional. Yeah, we all should be professional. But at the end of the day, what works, works. And hanging out, starting these – he's all about jokes. That's that's where you get the, the friendships. That's where it all happens. So, yeah, he's, it's ridiculous. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Well, that's the thing. He doesn't. He doesn't want to, and that's everybody's. That's that's where everybody's at. There's this mentality that he shouldn't have to do anything he doesn't want to. He's older. Why should he hang out with younger guys? He just, he's, I'm not saying they're going to be best friends. I'm not saying they have everything in common. But boy, oh boy, it would sure be nice to put in a little bit of effort and try, wouldn't it? Like, I'm sorry if it's not your favorite thing in the world. Suck it up, dude. Make it work. And you're right, Randall Cobb and David Bakhtiari and all the 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 veteran guys that have been there, that this is what the veterans do. This is the veteran attitude. I shouldn't have to do anything extra. This is what they fight for. It's the entire point of what the union is. We fight for doing less. Every time these union negotiations come up, look whose names pop up. It's these same guys. And what are they trying to do? Are they trying to work harder or are they trying to work less? They want more money and less work all the time. And any time that you have these conversations... They get upset, they get offended. Why? How dare you expect us to do more than our general nine to five, which by the way, they don't even work nine to fives. But I mean, I mean, this is you could work out in the gym together and just have conversations. Like just be there at the same time. You both gotta do it, right? You both gotta work out. Be there at the same time so we could talk. Or let's stay after and, and have a meeting. Or let's stay after on the field and throw the ball around. And if your answer to that is no, why should I I shouldn't have to do that? Okay, well, good to know. I'm glad that that's how much you care. Hey, Ryan, it's Peter Thomas. Peter! I just got done listening to your Romeo Dobbs episode. 
also known as the locker room episode. All right. And I was thinking about the team captains because I actually do think it has quite a big role in the locker room. Um, I know Zadarius made a big stink about it when he wasn't chosen as team captain uh, last year. And from 2022, we had Aaron Rodgers, Kenny Clark, Aaron Jones, Mercedes Lewis, Adrian Amos, and Devondre Campbell as our team captains. We don't know the status of any three uh, of those players on <laughs> offense, uh, Rodgers, Jones, and Lewis. So who would those captains be on offense, hypothetically speaking? But we do have a little bit more of an idea of who the captains could be on defense. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping Jair is one of them this year. Uh, don't know if Amos will be on the team. Certainly Kenny Clark will be in the team and Devondre Campbell will be on the team. So do we swap out Amos with, uh, Jair? Anyways, just kind of thinking about how the locker room will work. And I think a lot of that has to do with the people that you put in charge, a.k.a. the team captains. Let me know your thoughts. Thanks. Yeah, well, I'm already on record saying I think the captain thing is dumb. I mean, it's not – I shouldn't say it's dumb. I don't think it's dumb. I I just – I know how sensitive everybody has become these days, and because it causes so much drama, we should probably just let it go and and just – drop it entirely because everyone's going to throw a little hissy fit about it. But um, it, it it is interesting because you mentioned guys that it seems like it's based largely on seniority, you know, and I know that this is like voted upon by the players and whatnot, but um, it does seem like it goes more toward like you've earned it. You've been here the longest, all that kind of stuff. I wish that the, I wish that the captain thing was actually, as we talked about in terms of, this is a promotion to a leadership position. And then we get to find guys that have that right mentality, right? Find the Rashawn Garys, who maybe aren't the most outspoken, but that are the hardest working, and take them inside and say, listen, I would like to make you a team captain because there is nobody on this team that works like you work. And I want these guys to get fired up and to be motivated the way you're motivated. Are you willing to put in the work, not just to be a lead-by-example guy, which means show up and just keep doing what you've been doing, but to lead people to be what you are and do what you do. Are you willing to do that? Because it would be an honor to make you a captain. Things like that. Jair, I would love to make you a captain. And again, this is not simply just be yourself and let others, you know, I don't need you to be any kind of a lead. You don't need to be in a position to just continue doing what you're doing. But if you're willing to lead and direct and 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 to demonstrate and say, follow me, and, and to go that extra mile to make sure that other people are like you, it's it's my way as a um person in in as a coach of this team to say, you are exactly what we need, and I want more people like you. And I want you to teach and to guide and to instruct others to be like you. Would you be willing to do that? So if it's up to me, that's how I would like to handle it. It's, it's more of an attitude thing than a seniority thing. It's not about, you know, you're really good and you've been here for 10, 15 years. It's about you have the right mentality. You have that extra piece that I want the other guys to have. And that could be a Randall Cobb. It's not necessarily a, uh, uh, you know, how good of a football player you are. 
It's about your preparation. It's about your your work ethic. It's about your thought process going through this. But understand, if I make you a team captain, this is not just an honorary thing. I'm not just giving you a bonus check or or a little uh, pat on the back and saying, hey, you're super great. You know that? This isn't just an award you won because you're such a stupendous person. This is an extra added responsibility. Are you willing to take on this extra added responsibility? If you want to just be a guy that shows up and does your job well, then I don't want you to be a captain. And I want you to be upfront about that. And that's fine. But tell me right now, because the captains on this team lead and direct and instruct, and they put in the extra work to bring everybody up to their level. That's how I would like to handle the captain situation. Hey, it's Peter Thomas again. Hey. I was thinking... You know, we haven't really ever addressed what the whole point of being a team captain actually is. Do you know what a team captain is? What do they do? How do they do it? (laughs) Is it exactly what you're describing? Having people over for dinner, watching on the 80-foot, 80-inch, did I say, television screen, and looking (laughs) over film. Like, what does a team captain do? And... After taking a look at the 16 captains that we had last year, they're all veterans, every right. single one of them. So th- is that a prerequisite to right. being a team captain is that you have to be a veteran? Like, what does the team captain actually do? Because the Packers make a really big deal out of this every single year. They're always posting that, you know, graphic or picture of these are the team captains this year. They wear badges on their shirts, yep. on their jerseys. What does a team captain do? What is it that you actually do here? Yeah. Office space reference. Let me know. Well, yeah, I didn't I didn't know that was going to be your follow-up. I would have waited on it. But yeah, I think that's that that's kind of my issue. I don't think they do anything. I think it's an ego stroking thing. I think you get that C on your on your jersey that says you're you're a, a superior player, you're you're a top guy on this team, and and seniority does play a major part in that. And um, I don't necessarily think there's anything else involved in that. Now, maybe the uh, the coaches give them a little spiel about, you know, what's expected of a captain. I have no idea. But what are we seeing? We're seeing attitudes of guys going, why should I be expected to go above and beyond? So I, I don't think that that is being, um, you know, if, if, if you had a coaching staff tell you this is an expectation to go above and beyond – and you're making little jokes about, you think I should go above me? I don't think that that even makes a lot of sense. So I don't think that's being communicated to anybody. Um, which again, I think does fall back on Matt LaFleur a little bit. What, what are you telling them in terms of your expectations, not just about a, an, an individual's excellence, which I think is, is the focus, which is great. And I love that they focus on that. But at what point do we focus on the team? At what point do we t- focus on... I don't want you to just make yourself great, but I want you to focus on the guy on your right and the guy on your left and make sure that they're great. Is that an emphasis for this team at all? Does anybody talk about that? What are we doing to bring people up, to raise people up? Because you can't do this by yourself. This isn't basketball. This is, this is the ultimate team sport for a reason. And if we don't focus on not just focusing on ourselves, but on, on the unit, on the locker room, on the team, if that isn't an emphasis, we are not going to win. Is that message at any point being conveyed anywhere? To my knowledge, it is not. And if it is, then I don't know why this would even be confrontational. 
this whole Romeo Dobbs thing, why that would even be a, a, a discussion. We've never done anything outside of, the, uh, outside of work. Okay, well, that's not great. You know, I mean, if it's Aaron Rodgers and Dallin Levitt, that might be a, a slightly different thing. But when it's your rookie wide receiver, I don't know. I, I guess I had slightly higher expectations for the leader of the football team. Hey, Ryan, it's Jimmy. I feel like I should stop telling you my name because, A, you have me down as Aaron, too. Or yes, I do. Number two, uh, because you always know who it is anyway because yeah, the thing tells you. That's right. But nonetheless, I like saying, it's Jimmy. <laughs> anyway, um, so it's been a while, and i uh, just letting everything kind of sink in and marinate and whatnot. And I, I guess uh, I just heard your your take on the Dobbs comments and Rogers and I mean, I've been saying the same thing, but I just for a long time, the lack of willingness to come in and just, you know, um, mold these guys, uh, and put some extra time in is ridiculous. Um, and, and which I guess leads me to the thing I'm thinking, which is, I wonder if LaFleur, LaFleur could, uh, and, and more importantly would, um, say to Rogers, hey man, we want you back, but we want you back in this capacity, in the capacity of, of a real leader who's going to take the time to guide these guys and let's make this thing really fly because we got no time left with you. You know, you're you're coming to the end here. We have very few opportunities left. So we need your all. And if you're willing to give it your all, then let's freaking do it. But if not, then let's find you a new home where you can, you know, have the the atmosphere that you want, where you don't, you know, you can kind of come in and just show up and do your thing, and 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 that's fine. Um, because we are in uh, not a rebuild, but we got youth, man. We got youth, and they need molding, and right. they certainly seem to have a ton of potential. But they need molding. They need some guidance. Yep. And if they can't get it from the leader, they ain't going to work. So uh, that's my thought. I think, uh, and maybe I guess it's really just what I'm believing to be the case, regardless of what what LaFleur is willing uh, and, able, and or able to do. But uh, if Rogers comes back, I sure hope he, he gives it his all and gives them his all uh, for their sake and for his and for ours, for that matter. Um, if not, it ain't going to work. <laughs> again, I don't know why you'd want to do that. So hopefully somebody can speak some truth to power here and we can have a better result next year one way or the other. Uh, hey, go Pat, go. Yeah, that's a good point because it, it reminds me of back when, you know, we had uh, Jamon Moore and Equinemia St. Brown and Marquez Valdez-Scantling and they were really struggling and Aaron Rodgers was just vicious to those guys. And essentially, he was asked about that, like, why are you being so mean? And um, his bottom line was, look, I, I just, I'm to, I'm at a point in my career where I just don't have time for this crap anymore. You know, I mean, just babying people. And, and I think that is where he's at. He's at a point right now where he just wants to be on a veteran team that's ready to go right now, that's ready to win. And I don't know that that's the Packers. Now, again... I think that's a lame freaking excuse. I think you need to be a grown-up and recognize that, hey, you know, we have a chance to win, but we got young guys and they need separate things. I mean, they're not veterans. They need a little bit of extra help. 
And to have the attitude of I'm just too old for that is is stupid. But if that's where he's at, fine. It's just it's it's an incompatibility thing. If we're dealing with Devontae Adams and Randall Cobb and a bunch of veterans that don't need extra help and they understand what it takes to be a winner and to be a veteran and and to 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 do all the things that need to be done. Um, yeah, you don't need to do that extra bit. It's, it, it, I think Rodgers wants to be able to just show up, be excellent, and be surrounded by people that are excellent and don't need babying and extra explanation and can just go on and win. I think that's what he wants. Fair enough. But that's not, as you said, we, we got guys that need help. They're young, right? We've got young offensive linemen. We've got, I mean, Dylan is in like year three. I mean, he's, I guess he's, some at this point, he's probably a veteran, but... Um, not 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 been around for a super long time. Um, the wide receivers are almost entirely young, and, and they're just going to get younger next year when Lazard and Randall Cobb are gone. It's going to be first and second year guys exclusively. The tight ends are going to get ex- much, 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 much younger. So if you're not the kind of guy that's willing to spend the extra time to understand that that's what's required for this particular situation, this isn't going to work. This is not a good, it's not a good fit. Um, if you are, great, then that's what we need. But again, that's what we need. And we can't be making stupid comments about, oh, that's stupid, trust falls, blah, blah, blah. We just got to sack up and do the job. Um, and I know that's hard. Uh, it's difficult to maybe say, hey, come over and we'll hang out and talk about football. Like that's, I understand that's a heck of a grind, but, you know, that's what's required got to put in the work to, to bring the young guys up. And, and again, if that's not where you're at in your career and you're just exhausted and you're not ready to deal with that, you'd rather just retire. I get it. Then, then retire or, or find a different team that has, you know, veterans that are ready to go right now. And, um, you know, don't need leadership, don't need coaching, don't need molding and go there. But we do. And, you know, we're certainly not going to ship off our young guys so that we can have one more year of Rogers and then, pay a bunch of veterans to come in because that obviously doesn't make any sense. So maybe it's just incompatibility at this point. Anyway, should have taken a break before that last call. Uh, but why don't we take a quick break right here? We'll come back um, just a minute. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. 
Hey, Mr. Ryan, it's your second biggest fan, Eric, the serial entrepreneur. Here. Hey, man. Uh, question for you. I heard you say that one time that you had a phase in your entrepreneurial life yeah. where it was like a new business idea like every every week or every month or so. Uh, if you don't mind sharing a few of those business ideas, curious to see what they were or what that phase <laughs> like that. I had a phase similar. It was, I counted up, it was about 30 nine business things in about uh, two years. I was just driving my wife wild. And uh, needless to say, it all worked out. I'm doing doing uh, quite well these days. And uh, But I was just curious to, uh, what, what you had going on is maybe, uh, maybe if you, you, you break my record or not. So we'll, we'll talk to you in the next one. Stay awesome. We'll get off for later. Bye. <laughs> I like you, Eric. Uh, a, a few of the ideas have slipped out over the years. Um my, I will say I, I didn't, I, I did drive my wife nuts. That's true. She got very, not only upset, but she got very nervous because she's very much the opposite. She likes to just keep things very basic, very low risk. She has no risk tolerance whatsoever. And so, yeah, she was not a big fan of anything that I wanted to do. And I don't mean that to dog her. She was right pretty much every time, such as the life of, you know, serial entrepreneurs, as you uh, call yourself. But um, I had mentioned, I think, recently when I was talking about gambling or whatever, um, I forget exactly how everything worked, but essentially it was, a, it was a gambling website. And it was just stupid stuff. It was like 50-50 raffles, which I, I thought about that, and I'm like, 50-50 raffles are ridiculous. I, I went to a ballpark, and they had a 50-50 raffle. This is how I think, you know, you can probably identify with this sort of mindset, but you go somewhere, and you find out what a 50-50 raffle is, and essentially it's where... Uh, bunch of people put a bunch of money in and then one person wins half of it and then the person that starts the other raffle gets the other half. I think it was at a baseball game. I don't know if I already mentioned that. And I thought, on one hand, that's ridiculous. But on the other hand, it's perfect because who isn't willing to put in a buck, especially if you're talking about a baseball stadium with tens of thousands of people, granted, not that many people put in, but who wouldn't put in a buck for a chance to win, let's just say, five grand? And so if you extrapolate that out over a website and let's say you could somehow increase the popularity of it, you essentially have a gambling operation where you can throw a buck in. And the thing is, you could do it once an hour, you know? I mean, <laughs> it doesn't have to be like once a week drawing or whatever. Like, I could do it as much as I want, and who doesn't want to get in on it? you imagine if there were a million people? You could put a buck in and maybe win a half a million dollars. There was a bunch of other stuff, but bottom line is, um, as I said, nobody was really helpful with that. There were, there were other, I forgot what some of the other quote-unquote, games were. But it was, it was mostly that stuff. And um, turns out the government has a monopoly on gambling, um, for the most part, anyways. I'm, I'm not allowed to do it. But there was something else that was on there that was potentially viable because it has something to do with luck versus chance or whatever. I don't know. And then the uh, I mentioned just the other day the UPFL, which is the Unprofessional Football League, which was a lot of fun. And my wife, actually, she still brings that up. She really enjoyed that and thought it was pretty cool because it it really grew rapidly. I mean, it, it was cool because I, I just went on Craigslist and um, I actually copy and pasted kind of a psychopath. I went through like every city and every state and just copy and pasted through Craigslist ads for writers. And needless to say, I got, I remember at first I was all excited about it and then nobody responded and I was kind of dejected about it. And then I got somebody that responded like, hey, I'm interested in your writing opportunity. And then it was just like a snowball. Like everybody wanted to do it. And then, you know, most of these people were actually really talented and they had some really good stuff. And um, 
I just thought it was a lot of fun. And I ruined it because I was so worried about making sure people were getting paid because if they didn't get paid, then they wouldn't want to be here and I was going to lose everybody. And that became my main focus. And I spent a bunch of money on this uh, plugin that would uh, calculate how many views somebody got. And then I could punch in how much money I made that month and it would split up for each writer based on how many views they had, because apparently that's not already a thing. And unfortunately for a lot of people, it ended up being pennies because that's what I was getting paid. And then it got split up. And then I paid people on PayPal and it turns out that it was less than the fees. So they were never getting paid. And I was just paying PayPal like 75 cents here and there. And it was a whole big stupid thing. And I think I just got too wrapped up in that and wanting to grow and wanting to expand. And rather than just, let's just hammer this thing that we got, which is pretty solid. It was nothing all that impressive, I'll be honest. But then I got the podcast, and um, honestly, eBay was one of the, I mean, I know that's not much of an entrepreneurial start-your-own-business kind of thing. That was my, it was actually my wife's thing. She kept saying, why don't we just sell on eBay? I'm like, that's dumb. You can't make money on eBay. The only people making money are people that have been on there for 50 years. You got to get in on the ground floor, blah, blah, blah. It actually turned out to work out quite well. And it kind of scratches that entrepreneurial business itch because there is a lot of um, stuff you got to figure out. It was actually a lot of fun. I really miss it, buying and selling and flipping and whatnot. But anyways, once the podcast got started, it's like, this is my thing now. And um, that part of my brain has been somewhat suppressed. Occasionally something will pop up, but it's just, I don't ever have time to explore it. And so it just dies. But glad to hear that uh, you found your thing and things are cooking. Hello, Ryan. This is Jesse from Oregon. Um, I have a few questions. First, um, what is the correlation, or is there any correlation between a tight end's PFF grade in college with their uh, PFF grade in the pros? Like, um, can can we glean anything from uh, having a high PFF grade? The reason I'm asking is because when you mentioned all the great tight ends in the league, they all seem to have great PFF grades in college, even though they were drafted later. Um, second is. Just what do you think about? Well, so I, I, I can look at that, and I will, but I'm going to forget by the time it's done to, <laughs> to answer that. So you can maybe circle back as far as specifics. Um, but I will say this. I, I, um, I mentioned this. I don't remember when. But um, when I looked at Michael Mayer and saw his PFF grade, the consensus generally is, you know, Really good tight ends don't really translate, so there's no point drafting them in the first round. And and when I looked at it, a lot of the guys really didn't have that high of PFF grades. Some of the guys that were touted as elite prospects were kind of average as far as their you know PFF grade. Um, and so I went and I looked back at guys that had this high of PFF grade or higher in in uh, I don't think it was FBS, but in 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 one of the major schools, not a small school. Uh, and there were only like three or four of them, and all of them are studs, including Kittle, right? I mean, he was a bigger program, uh, extremely high PFF grade, and you're right. He went in the middle rounds, but as far as PFF is concerned, you know, a, a, a big program guy who was an elite prospect, he, he checked that box. For whatever reason he fell, I don't know. But uh, as much as you can glean from about four guys, I can say there seems to be some kind of a correlation. And, and I'm talking real high. He had a, like a 92.5 PFF. And the fact of the matter is, again, most guys don't pay. So the fact that you're talking like three for three, um, it was like Kyle Pitt, George Kittle, and somebody else. I forget who it was. But very good, very good, high-quality tight end. 
So it's obviously not a perfect one-to-one correlation, but it, it certainly is, um, it speaks highly of PFF's college grading system, uh, at least for tight ends, because, yeah, guys that have those high grades generally pan out. Dalton Kincaid for uh, Have you looked at him, or what are your first impressions? I have not, but and I can. Third question is, would you rather have somebody like him, considered kind of like a huge wide receiver, or, and obviously that can be a serious mismatch problem, or would you rather have uh, another wide receiver um, and be like, a, just have a slot wide receiver instead of a two tight end set kind of thing? And uh, finally... Yeah, so I, I, I don't generally like the tweeners. Um, the guys that are like built like Alan Lazard, but they call them tight ends, you know? I feel like that was a really big thing for a while. These tight ends that can't block to save their lives, but they're tall and they're lean and they've got some speed to them. And I just don't feel like really any of them panned out. You know, like the Evan Ingrams, the six foot three, two hundred and forty pound guys uh, that run four four twos. And and granted, I'm kind of splitting hairs here because Kyle Pitts is only two forty six. He's six foot six. It's three inches taller, but I don't know. I, I just I, I these kind of smaller. Slender, you know, again, you're, you're talking Lazard is what, 6'1", 235, he's 6'3", 240, or, or Lazard 6'2", or something, I don't know, but, you know, it, it's right on that edge. Now, I don't know about Kincaid, let me look at what Kincaid is. Yeah, 6'4", 240, he's right on that line. But at the same time, I, I um, w- w- if you ask me to watch a bunch of tight ends in college and tell you which ones I like, they're going to end up being the receivers. You know, I, I watched Cole Komet. And granted, Cole Komet is, is a different kind of a guy than, uh, for example, Michael Mayer, but they're similar in terms of what they look like out on the field. They're not the, the tall, lean, slender, fast players. They're kind of inline blockers that can go out and catch passes, but they're not really threatening the seam or anything. Those generally aren't going to be my favorite. So I don't know. Conceptually, I love uh, both Michael Mayer as well as Washington. Washington in particular, because he's he's a massive, he, he is, like I said, take everything I said that's great about Michael Mayer, the fact that he's actually built the size of Mercedes Lewis. I mean, he is a freaking monster, a couple inches shorter, but still, but is also to some degree, again, he's not blazing fast, but to some degree, he's got the speed to be a receiving tight end. It's remarkable. You take all that and you multiply it across the board when you're talking about Washington out of Georgia. Washington is taller. He's only like two pounds lighter. And he's actually faster. I think he's lighter. He might be heavier. I don't know. So again, conceptually, I like that. And I think it's important. Again, one of the things that I like to brag about with tight end is it's a position that adds to your offensive line and to your receiving group. Well, if he's just an inline receiver, then he doesn't really help you as a blocker. He's just a slow receiver that's tall. <laughs> like I just, you know, I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I never really fully understood that. Like, well, they're still faster than linebackers. So they put them you know, in line, and then the linebackers can't keep up or whatever. Like, the NFL is that stupid they can't pick up on that? You're putting a guy that you call a tight end in the slot, and you're hoping that a linebacker goes over there because his designation is a tight end, even though he's essentially a wide receiver in the slot. Why? And if you put him in line, I don't know. I, I, I just, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. I don't get it. I'm dumb. But yeah, Dalton Kincaid, 6'4", 240, 91.7 receiving grade but a uh, 60 pass blocking grade and a 59 run blocking grade. 
He's a pure receiver. Generally speaking, as cool as that is, he's just a big receiver. And when you look at him through the lens of being a receiver, he's just a big slow guy. If you're going to be more than just a receiver, you need to be a blocker. And if you're not a blocker, then then you're just a slow receiver. This is a, another about something else you talked about quite a few days ago, about the key focal points in the offense and how uh, the offense is built around a certain person. And you posited that that was Rodgers. I'm wondering, um, you know, it's kind of hard to say we're making plays for Rodgers because he's a quarterback, he's a distributor. Um, I'm wondering if the actual focal point was Devontae, as, you know, all the plays were drawn up so that he could get open, he could get the ball. Um, and that's the, part of the problem with the transition was that we were trying to make uh, Lazard or, um, I mean, I guess maybe somebody else, but I think Lazard the the key focal points and it just did not work out and it wasn't until we made Watson that key focal point that things started turning around well anyways let me know your thoughts thank you yeah I mean that's they um they definitely had an offense that was built I mean again it's not even necessarily a uh divergent from what I said it's it's an offense built around Rodgers um and the way in which they did that was to build an offense that was largely passing plays in which Rodgers could, you know, give the ball to Devante, which is what he wanted to do. And um, with him gone, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't I don't think that that's debatable. I've never seen anyone um, argue anything else. But yeah, they, they struggled to get their footing in terms of how to run an offense, which is, to be honest, kind of embarrassing. And this is why I didn't like all the excuses about, well, how could you expect the offense to work after losing a guy like Devontae? Well, because I don't really expect an offense to run through one guy. And, you know, I kind of expect the ability to, uh, you know, make an offense work. Because if if the only thing we're able to do as offensive-minded people with an offensive-minded head coach and a however-many-year superstar quarterback and we got a offensive coordinator like we got we got a lot of offensive minds and offensive people and very capable individuals supposedly if if the only thing we were able to drum up over all these years is i don't know throw it to Devonte and once he left it's like ah oh, i'm out of ideas dude that sucks but you're right that 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 does feel like that was the issue and they struggled to figure out what do we do um and you know i mean it's it's understandable only to a point but Given the fact that we know Jones is a talented player, we know Dylan is a very capable individual, we know Christian Watson, once we decided to actually utilize him, was a talented player. We've seen Dobbs um, come through in the clutch when he was leaned on. There's so many people that when you lean on them, they're like, I got this. But we still couldn't figure out how to make it work. Why? It's kind of an embarrassment, isn't it? So... Again, my my thought, which I'm I'm leaning a little less toward now that we're clearly not going to fire our offensive coordinator, and maybe that had to do with negotiations about Nathaniel Hackett, who officially took the job with the Jets, potentially because he knew Rodgers wouldn't be staying. I don't know. It's just a conspiracy theory that I'm cooking up. No big deal. But my thought was that they were kind of blaming the offensive coordinator, which to me seems silly if they're putting the entirety of the offense 
on the offensive coordinator making this thing work. Now, maybe uh, Rodgers was talking about Matt LaFleur and it's throwing him under the bus. I, I don't know. I don't know what the issue is. Those three guys can get in a room and hash it out. I couldn't tell you who was responsible for what, who was responsible for the game planning, the play calling, the play adjusting, the, the checks, the fake checks, the checks mix. I don't know. But again, collectively, with all the people we have in that building, we couldn't figure out how to take a bunch of superstars that are very capable individuals and lean on any one of them to make this offense function. It's a scary thing. And again, you start with Matt LaFleur and you work your way out from there. I mean, there is the theory that it's largely because of Rodgers. And again, that whole focal point thing, the point of me mentioning the focal point is he's building an offense around Rodgers. So if and when Rodgers does leave, or I should just say when Rodgers leaves, um, the focal point will go elsewhere. Maybe maybe it's love, but even then, it's not going to be the same as it was when you tried to build around Rodgers because they're not the same guy. The point was you'll see a different offense. Now, if, if what we see is an offense that still doesn't have any idea what it's doing, then you just say, okay, process of elimination, Matt LaFleur is the problem. If it starts to feel a little bit more smooth and rhythmic and things are kind of making sense, then Rodgers was the problem. And I just don't think we'll know the answer until we get to that point. Now, there is the variable that Rodgers was a problem, and also Jordan Love is a crap quarterback, so both of these offenses look bad. But again, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Hey, Ryan. Hey. Been a minute. <clears throat> Seth? Um, a few things I wanted to talk through. Um, first thing was, if if Rodgers, my understanding if Rodgers is traded prior to June 1, which if he's traded, I'm guessing that's most likely, there will be a $40 million dead cap hit. Is yep. there any way we can spread that out? Um, curious about that. You know. So here's here's the, the thing. You're saying you're assuming it would happen I think a lot of people are actually assuming that it won't happen. Uh, and by people, I don't mean fans. I'm talking about, you know, people in the know or whatever, which would mean we're not going to get a pick this year. So that's, you know, most of the mock drafts and all the, the low-level media and everything else that are doing draft stuff, they're like, oh, if we trade Rodgers, we're going to get the pick with the Jets and da 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 Not if it's a post-June 1 thing, which is probably what it's going to be which means the first first-round pick we would get would be for next year, and it would not have any impact on this year, which would obviously tick a lot of people off because they'd be like, oh, we didn't get any more, because, again, everything's about uh, what we need today, and right now it's about instant gratification and all that good stuff. Um, but that's probably what would happen, and then we would be able to spread that um, over two years, and it would end up being, I think it's $16 million or something. I don't remember exactly what the dead cap is, uh, but it, it's not – Super terrible. And then next year, it's like 24 or something, I think. Should make sense. Which isn't great for a guy that's not here, but it's significantly better than the alternative. So we kind of have to choose. But if we do do a prior to June 1, no, there's no way to spread it out. Because if we trade them right now, then all of the money owed is due immediately. Right? It's due on the cap this year. And so it has to be accounted for on the cap this year. I don't know if how that works with bed cap uh, once the player's traded, but definitely curious about that. Um, also, I was thinking, you know, it, we might have a tough year next year at bed cap if we trade Rogers, but you know, you get through next year. I think you, in my opinion, you really focus on the offense to protect Jordan Love, help him develop. And 
if he's the real deal, you try to load up on the defense the year after and when Rogers cap hit comes off the books and really make a push, you know, whether that's free agency or extensions with that extra cap you get back, well, you still got Jordan Love on a smaller deal. Because even if he gets his fifth-year option or, you know, his first contract with not playing much, you know, you're looking at, you know, what, $20, 25000000 million probably, which is still a lot less than most quarterbacks. Um, shoot, forgot my other question for you. Well, I guess I'll call back. Oh, no, I got it. Um, Rich Passaccia, I saw he has the second interview coming up. I think that would be brutal if we lost him. So I don't know how we keep him. I mean, you probably can if he gets a head coaching offer, but definitely hoping that that doesn't happen. Uh, finally, my hopes for the game. I, I know I'm weird as a Packers fan, but I really can't stand the Eagles. Also, Brock Pretty plays for my local college team or did, um, Iowa State. And so rooting for him, even though I don't really like the Niners, and then definitely rooting for Burrow and the Bengals over over Mahomes. But that's all. Yeah, I uh, the, the Bengals game is on right now for me. Uh, I should probably check back in. I just saw the Bengals got another touchdown, so they're kind of getting back into it. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm 100% Bengals-Eagles. Um, I understand where you're coming from not liking the Eagles. I, I generally just don't like Eagles fans. I don't really care too much about the Eagles. I just know that they're pretty obnoxious and um, not really wanting the best for them personally. Plus, the fact that they won recently, now it's kind of like that's actually really impressive to win twice in like five years. So I don't really want that to happen. Um, but seeing Philadelphia lose or Philadelphia win 31-7, to that is that makes me so happy. Um the fact that they were so dejected, the fact that they got beat so badly. And by the way, when are we going to start talking about Shanahan not being able to win in big games? When are we going to talk about the 49ers not being able to get it done in the playoffs and constantly getting eliminated and not being able to win and actually get Super Bowls, right? When is uh, Michael Lombardi going to come up with a little pet name for Shanahan because he's actually a bum coach, Kyle Shanahack? How about that? I wonder if Michael Lombardi will start calling him Kyle Shanahack. Because let's be honest, he can't win in the big games, man. He crumbles under pressure. You can talk about your quarterback all you want. 31-7, to what happened to that great elite defense? You giving up 31 points? That wasn't your quarterback. And all these other years, you didn't win a Super Bowl? What's up with that, man? The 49ers have not won a Super Bowl. The Packers have won two Super Bowls since the last time the 49ers won a Super Bowl. Kyle Shanahan's this great elite, one of the best coaches in all of football, blah, 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 blah. The guy, they, they had multiple early round picks because of how trash they were for a couple of years. That's how they ended up with Bosa on their team. Because what did they have, the number one overall pick because they were that trash? They still can't win? They had multiple early round picks that they invested in defensive line. Eric Armstead and some other guys. 1995 It's the last time they won a Super Bowl. Kind of frauds, huh? What's up with that? And I'll be honest, that's part of the reason I want the Chiefs to lose. It looks like they just scored another touchdown. Um is because I, I just, they're, they're sort of on the precipice of being, on one hand, what looked to be a dynasty, but I feel like if they lose this, especially with Joe Burrow really ascending and some other teams really ascending, the Chiefs are, are on the verge of being old news. And if they lose this game, which I know you guys already know the result of it, but even if they lose in the Super Bowl, you're kind of looking at um, 
I mean, if you go to the Super Bowl, you're not necessarily old news, but you kind of just shrug your shoulders. Similar with the Packers, right? They're always dominant, and they always have a chance. And it's to say, oh, always we have a chance with Aaron Rodgers. Da, 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 da. But after a while, you're just kind of like, meh, yeah, I know. Same old, same old. So I'm I'm Bengals all the way, um, although I am slightly concerned about them being somewhat of a dynasty. But we said the same thing with Pat Mahomes. I mean, he was the greatest thing that we've ever seen. In fact, he was hyped up more than I think Joe Burrow is, although I think Joe Burrow is probably a better quarterback. He doesn't have like the fancy highlights behind the the no look behind the back type stuff, but just a true passer of the football. Joe Burrow is a freak of nature. And I'm sitting here watching this game going, the guy still doesn't have an offensive line. This is remarkable to me. He had like four sacks in the first four <laughs> minutes. He had like four sacks and five completions or something. But that franchise hasn't won and um, let them get their one. 49ers got embarrassed. Chiefs will have lost. And... uh Philly loses in the Super Bowl. Sounds like a, a, a positive result in my mind. If the Chiefs do end up winning, which it looks like they may, I really don't know. I probably pull for Philly, which I know is probably the minority, but I don't care. I don't like the Chiefs. Well, uh, why don't we go ahead and leave it there? You guys have yourselves a fantastic rest of your night. I will um, probably not going to be an early morning episode for you, unless you're listening to this early morning. I just don't have time and I got to get going to bed. But have a great night, and I will talk to you tomorrow, hopefully for Packing It After Dark. Bye-bye.